guys, and welcome back to another episode of the ADH Dads. I'm your host, CJ. I'm JJ. And we just wrapped up the holidays, man. So how are you feeling, bud? How's how's the new year treating you so far? Ah, it's, well, we had a lot of snow uh, here in Salt Lake City in the last few days. So kiddo and I actually went sledding and uh and had a good time sledding so uh that that was that was a hell of a worth or worth it uh experience um got the mountains in the background got kiddo bouncing down my back says this isn't as good as it used to be just want you to know (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know the the holidays went pretty well we came out there and visited you guys and and went and did a bunch of fun stuff and also hung out at the house and watched the kids bicker and argue and we uh, got to sometimes jump in and bicker and argue with them as well <laughs> but uh it was a good time we we uh we really enjoyed it in fact one of the highlights that uh that i'd love to point out is you know my kiddo is i don't know roughly 50 inches tall now and uh and we went to six flags magic mountain with you guys and uh goliath happens to be the tallest roller coaster there and he you know he rode all the little kid coasters and that's all he's ever done just ridden little kid coasters but uh, you know, I asked him. I said, "Would you uh, would you want to ride any of those big ones?" And he's like, "Maybe, <laughs> maybe." And then you know, we all got through the line to uh, to go to the Goliath coaster, and he said, "No." And then you all, you know, you went on it with uh, with um, was it Aubrey? I think uh, no, it was Goliath. Naomi. It was Naomi. Naomi. Aubrey Naomi, was too okay. small, but yeah. Was she? Oh yeah, that's right. So then, so then Naomi went on it with you, and then you guys got back, and of course your energy was was pretty high. Your adrenaline was pumping, and and Cohen was like, "I do want to go on it." So then we got on it, and you rode it again, and and I, <laughs> we got to that top of that first hill, and you know started going over and picked up that speed and his his whole body tensed up and i mean he was just like staring at like like he yeah. was looking at death wondering if death was coming but he uh at the end of it he said uh, i didn't like it <laughs> quietly <so>. yeah <laughs> he was a champ next... though man he didn't yeah. scream or nothing <laughs> maybe no, that was worse no. he was just frozen <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah the spirit of his you know in his body just <laughs> yeah. left for a while was like... but yeah the next the next day he turned around and said I know I liked it, and no, I loved it. Now he wants to go on roller coasters, so that was fun. But, yeah, uh, a little daredevil. <laughs> but yeah, overall, we you know we had a great holiday experience with you guys, and I was really really grateful and blessed. And we got to cook together and and do all the do all the fun stuff that you can only do in person. So it's it's better yeah. than a phone call. It definitely was, man. We had we had a good time, and wish you lived closer. Wish we could do that more. You know, uh, one of the great things about these these dad groups is, you know, connecting, uh, people, people like us together, you know, to start these projects and, and keep the families close. So that was really cool, man. Thanks for coming out. And I know the kids really enjoyed it. We even had some glimpses into what teenage dating life could potentially look like, you know, uh, with, <laughs> with way too young that we weren't prepared to deal with. So that'll be all another podcast episode, I guess, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was fun stuff, man, you know, and I was worried, you know, like you leave and I'm and especially like, you know, your dad, I'm a dad, we're coaches, we, we do this podcast and you leave and I turn to my wife and I go, God, JJ must judge us for all the crap that we deal with <laughs> and, and how we handle it, huh? <laughs> That's funny but, because <clears throat> one of the things that, of course, that I remember standing out was, you know, my kiddo, <laughs> the one night we were upstairs and, uh, and, and, you know, I don't remember what was going on exactly upstairs with us, but, oh yeah, that's right. He was on FaceTime with his mom and then that was over and he was feeling good, feeling energized. And I went down and I just kind of was like, Hey, I'll slowly integrate into the, uh, you know, to the, to the energy of the room down here. And then I turned around and looked, I didn't see, you know, my kiddo. And I went out to the garage of all places, which was getting pretty chilly at night. And he was out, he was out there laying on his back or laying on his belly. And I, and I asked him like, Hey, bud, you can come inside. That's a little chilly. He says, no, it's, it's nice out here, which, okay, fine. I left and, and went back in and, and then, uh, and then I looked back and he wasn't in the garage. So I went upstairs and, uh, there he was upstairs again. And, and I asked him, I said, Hey buddy, do you want to come down? And he said, uh, they're not sharing with me. And I said, well, what do you mean? They're not sharing with you. Yeah, I asked, and and they said no. And I said, when did you ask? Now, now after you had a conversation with your mom, yeah, right after conversation with mom, I said, I I was there, and you were not. 
<laughs> I'm not sure what's going on here. So then I said, all right, well, let's go downstairs and let's see if we can, you know, have fun and share and stuff. And then he came down and he like continued that same story to tell everybody like you weren't sharing with me. And everybody was kind of just flabbergasted. So in terms of, <laughs> you know, we kind of had to work through that and say, all right, well, you know, if you want to come and play and share, you know, we can do stuff. Um, but but we had to kind of just navigate that, which was really weird. So then after that, I thought, well, what are they thinking about my kiddo? He's just trying to throw down all sorts of lies to get his way here. <laughs> so I think we had it both directions. You know, it's funny because our kids do create these narratives, right? Like uh, there was a few times too where Naomi like, you know, created this reality that we were all looking at each <laughs> other as adults like you didn't see that. Did I, did I miss something? Did you see it? I didn't hear her say that, you know, did, did he ask to be a part of that? You know, like, did I miss it? Did you miss it? Did we all miss it? You know? And, but sometimes they, they can, especially when we're dealing with kids with a neurodivergence that have such an attachment to their, their experience and their point of view, right? Like sometimes it's uh, hard to navigate. So I'm glad we're talking about this today. You know, how do we, yeah. how do yeah. we argue with our kids? How do we, <laughs> How do we convince them of reality being one way when their reality is so different? You know, how do we yeah. how do we merge those two worlds? You know, yeah. with a, yeah. a a finesse, a creativity, and a je ne sais quoi. You know, <laughs> right? Well, yeah. I mean, there's like, how do you how do you even like you know, once you reach the point of an argument with a kid and you don't have yourself prepared, it's probably going to go bad. You're probably going to get, you know, the buttons pushed and stuff. So that's, that's already like, you're already in a loss. Uh, if you, if you get to the point of an argument and you haven't set up like rules and stuff, but you know, one thing that I just, I try to, I try to remind myself is if I am being asked a question and then I'm being asked another question and I keep answering, not only am I getting a little bit triggered because they're just trying to argue. I realize, you know what they're doing as kids? They're not trying to argue and ask us questions because they want to understand our position more. No, they're asking questions because they want to get their position, you know, acknowledged and then, you know, agreed upon. So their argument, you know, position honestly sometimes can look drastically different than us. But of course, with the pr right preparation, perhaps they can, you know, learn a little bit from us about how to argue and how to disagree respectfully. Mm. Yeah, because I feel like uh, arguments with our kids go one of two ways, right? We either don't have the energy and we just buckle, fold, and give in to whatever they want, you know, to get them off of our back and get some quiet time, or we're all fired up and we want to be adults and we want, you know, but we're still, there's a childlike tendency, just like our children are trying to express of being right and being validated and, and accepted and, you know? And uh, then uh, an argument could go on for a whole day, a whole weekend, you know? So how do we, uh, how do we, how do we give without sacrificing? How do we, how can we <laughs> validate without undermining, you know? Or yeah. yeah. I mean, where does that start? Like, how do you, how do you enter into that point? Cause it sounds like at that point, you know, we're already talking about, we need to validate, but clearly there's, there's a point of conflict that exists here. How do we how do we get to that point too? I think we want to talk about that a little bit. Is like, what are the house rules? What do we understand about communicating with each other? So when we get to the point of disagreement or argument, we have that you know kind of script that go to that says, okay, understand. You know, you don't want to repeat yourself every time, but it just becomes natural once you reach this point in the argument. Let's say you're flying off the handle and you're just very upset. Well, then. Typically, at that point, we know that there's no ground to be covered in a positive direction until we maybe separate. So what do we do? Do we be clear about the rules up front and say, you know, um, parents, parents obviously have to be the ones that, you know, are clear about what the parameters look like. And of course, if you can make it clear as soon as possible, what is negotiable to your kids and what is not negotiable to your kids, then I think hopefully they'll have at least an understanding of what their parents expect, even though they'll still probably try to bend the rules as we've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you and I talked about an interesting point too, that we both uh, succeeded and failed on multiple <laughs> times during your, your visit here. And something that my wife and I have been trying to practice. I, I, I don't remember where she read this or picked this up. Oh, we're, we're reading this book about sibling rivalry right now. And I don't mm, have it off the one. top of my head. I didn't write it down in my notes, but I will bring it to the, the podcast uh, next time and, and quote it and reference it. 
uh, more accurately, but it's a, a book about sibling rivalry. And in there, they're talking about like, you know, the, the consequences being related to what the infraction is. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes it's like, you hit my sister. Well, no iPad for a week. Like one doesn't have to do with the other, you know? And Wait, are you saying we should hit the kids? <laughs> yeah. No, you just tie them up so they can't use their hands for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, no. go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, but a lot of the times our kids in our kids' brains are like, why, why is this the consequence for that thing? You know, so mm-hmm. trying to keep it as grounded as we can around, you know, you know, um, what they're doing, you know? So if yeah. it is involved around video games, they're not sharing or they're taking the turn away or, you know, they're not adhering to the rules that, like you said, are previously established, then the mm-hmm. consequence has to be related to that. But I think you're right. And the first step here has to be like the establishment of what the rules and boundaries are, right? Like, mm-hmm. because more than anything, like, you and there are going to be times as parents where new situations come up and we're going to say ah oh, we didn't really hash this out yet or establish boundaries and i think those are the times as parents we have to be a little bit more willing to surrender our bit of our power in position a little bit to it to take a step back reestablish them with now the expectation rather than having rather than having a consequence when an expectation wasn't established Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and you said it really well, too, is that, you know, having something that's related, and then, of course, having the understanding, the consequences is uh, is related to uh, the, the infraction, but also, you know, like, uh, the, the nice thing is establishing those boundaries and rules ahead of time, so the kid has, uh, you know, at least some sort of say in what the consequence should be. So there's an agreement ahead of time. So we're not just throwing something at them. So they feel like they're getting an infraction back at them, um, but rather something that, that makes sense. So, you know, what does it look like when you, when you come to an agreement with something, how does, how does the kid, how does your kid say, okay, this should be the consequence for this. I mean, I could say, and I, I, you know, I've established something kind of fairly new with, with my kiddo. Um, because his mom and I, truth be told, have done a poor job, and I can speak on her behalf too here because she would agree with it. We've done a poor job of including in including him in the cleanup. So you know, he goes, runs around, does the whole kid. And, you know, there was a tornado that came through the through the room, whatever. Um, and then and then after that, you know, it's the end of the day, and you're just so fed up with how you know messy it is. Kiddo's going to bed. I'll clean up after. But that doesn't do him or you any good. That's just putting putting all of the work on you, and it's not giving him the the power of you know being responsible for his choices or her choices. So, I think that's kind of one of the big things is like you need to include them in everything. So the boundary or the rule could be all right. You take something out. You know where you got it from. Is that the right place for it? Is it okay? Good. Well, put it back there because then you will know where to find it when you want to use it again. And then the rule that I set up for him recently was, it could sound harsh, but honestly, is it? I say, all right, buddy, I'm seeing a lot of toys out. You've moved on to the next thing. If you're going to return to those things, okay. If you're not going to return to those things, I would ask that you put them away now. And if at the end of the day, we're looking at a bunch of stuff on the floor, I think I need to remove those things from the floor and keep them out of reach for a week. That way. You know, we have an understanding. If things aren't put away, they're going to be put out and about or out in a way so you can't play with them. This is a responsibility thing, and it's also an opportunity for him to be aware of how his things get organized and gives him that super great responsibility of managing himself and expectations for himself. So that's that's just one of the examples. That I have, um, but uh, there's a whole lot more. And like you said, you know, consequences in in the uh, in the moment they're hard. But you know, if you have enough examples that you have instilled over time, I think you can have a conversation in the moment about what that consequence could look like for that thing. Like, okay, well, we did this for that. What do you think looks most appropriate for the consequence? And the kids might say, "Uh, no dessert, or just have a dessert tonight." You know, might try to might try to you know pull you through trying to trying to you know maybe manipulate what makes sense in the moment but you know you can just kind of pull back to the idea of this 
this seems comparable. What do you think? Do you agree? Honestly, brother, the times that I give my kids the choice to come up with their own consequences, they come up with consequences way worse than I would have given them, you know? So that just kind of shows maybe like uh, the dynamic that's going on in their head emotionally and mentally versus what we're going on through as parents, you know, because we're oftentimes taking it so personal. You know, why isn't she listening to me? You know, well, she never does what I say. You know, and that's one thing I love about Aubrey is our middle, you know, six years old. She'll she'll tell you so obvious what it is. She goes, well, I'm six years old, Coley. I can't remember everything, you know. <laughs> and Smart damn it. And you, sassy. Yeah, you know, like, well, damn it. She, I, you know, I can't even argue with that. You know, she is <laughs> only six years old and that brain only got so much space for shit in there right now. You know? <laughs> oh man it sounds like she's smarter than she's letting on then too <laughs> you know? but you know but yeah no she she uh pulls the same kind of stuff too like you know you i we've really been struggling with the cleaning thing too you know um because like you say you just get a point where you're just so tired at the end of the day that you don't want to go through another hour of arguing and then you know cleaning Anyways, when I, as a parent, when it's like, you go do it, it'll either never get done or you have to stand in the doorway and watch the whole cleaning take place. You might as well just, and then it takes three times longer than if you just went in there and put everything where it's supposed to go. You know, so we oftentimes fold into that, but it's been a really struggle over the last month of like teaching them the responsibility and autonomy over that. And you were right there to witness a good old day of, you know, Naomi and them not cleaning and they couldn't find something. And we went from, you know, the parents that just took them to the zoo and Discovery Cube and Six Flags and everything and had three Christmases and, you know, baked all this stuff and fed them sugar and cookies for the last week to we were the worst parents ever because we wouldn't help them find their toy that they lost you know, and how quickly the pack turns, you know, because we're not willing to do that or because we are trying to implement a new routine, you know, and that whole cleaning of the room lasted a whole four or five hours as you guys were trying to, you know, exit and pack up your stuff and leave. And, you know, and Aubrey can go there and go, I don't know how to clean, you know, and it's, well, that's the problem here is that we somehow have created this dynamic that our kids don't know what it is, what the expectations are, you know, like, so how do you like chop into a new routine, something that's like habitual now it's with <laughs> difficulty and patience, I guess. Yeah. And then of course, you know, a lot of that is, is kids just trying to argue because they don't want to do it. So they find different ways to manipulate you by suggesting, you know, Oh, I, you know, I, I don't know how to do this. Like, like they're saying they don't have any arms all of a sudden. But the truth is, is, you know, we know that they have the ability. They've done it before. Um, so so when they put up that fight, yeah, what does that look like? How do you how do you uh, how do you break through that? You know, w with the idea of like, I don't you know, I, I don't know where my toy is or, you know, I, I can't find it or, you know, you're the worst parents in the world. <laughs> well, you know, back to the idea of established rules is, OK, we know that at the end of the day, things that got taken out uh, were played with and then they were left out, which is not where they were at the beginning of the day. It sounds like you knew how to find them, so you know how to put them away. It's actually, that's really about as far as it goes with the responsibility of putting stuff away. And then when it comes to the arguing part, that's when, of course, the individual kid kind of comes up with their own, <laughs> their own tactics and stuff like, oh, I'm so tired or oh, I'm hungry, you know, trying to get out of things, you know, and stuff. So what do you do? What do you do in those moments? Well, you know, I think like what you're, you know, all the books say the same thing, right? Of like natural consequences are the best consequences. Those are the best teachers. You know, you don't want to be the bad guy as a parent. You don't want to like be the one that they're like, well, it's your fault, you know, it, it, but often, oftentimes as parents, we kind of have to like fake these natural consequences, you know, like <laughs> to show what a real life scenario might be like to play out later, you know, like, like what you're saying with the toys that aren't picked up, you know, we do this, a similar kind of thing where we've got the boo-boo box and, you know, like anytime the, the it's, they get a strict timeline to clean it up. 
And if they don't clean it up in that timeline, you know, the hurricane mama comes through and picks up everything that's left on the floor and it goes into a bin and the kids get told that it, that bin goes in the trash. Now it really lives in our office and it hides in there, you know, <laughs> and my wife uses just plain old fear tactics. You know, so but, what, what, <laughs> when is the, when is the day where the toy gets reintroduced and the kids go, ah, you didn't throw that away. Yes. Well, we've, we've, uh, we've crossed that, crossed that threshold, you know, and it's had to be more of like a, uh, an honesty thing of like, you won't get it until you can show that you earn it back kind of thing, you know? So yeah, you're right. That didn't last for a while. You know, it's like, Hey, I thought you threw this away. And then all of a sudden the Barbie shows back up, you know, <laughs> weeks later. So you, you lose credibility real quick if you go about it like that, you know. But, uh, you know, but having those consequences of like, you won't get it. You just won't play with it or you have a certain amount of timeline. Because I think that in, in just sticking with that is really important in, mm. in the rep repetitiveness of that, you know, becomes habitual. Mm. And uh, because like you say, kids will come, they're creative, man. They're a lot more creative than us adults. I'll tell you that. And, yeah. you know, and that's, we, we got to combat the argument or the disagreements here with creativity rather than mm. demand, you know, we have to out creative our kids and we can, it, it just takes a really good effort, you know, because yeah. our kids will, I'm tired, I'm hurt, I'm sick. And they'll play on your little emotions as a parent. You know, you don't want to <laughs> see your kid with a tummy ache. And guess when they get a tummy ache, it's always right when you ask them to clean their room, you know, <laughs> and you'll yep. fall for it every time and you'll give them a head rub and a little warm pack on their belly and you'll rub them and you'll give them all the love. And then they never clean their room and you forget about it. And it happens 20 times a month, you know, yeah. like, and you, and you know, and you know what that's, that all boils down mm. to again, back to the idea of having a clear set of rules. You know, if, if you found yourself and they found it, of course, they're quick, um, giving in and, you know, altering how it looks for consequences or your response or you, you know, taking charge and picking things up in another moment. They're they're not actively probably having the conversation. Yeah, they did this. Yeah, they did this. So therefore, I'm going to do that again. But it's just it's subtle. It just happens. You know, the kids happens. are really yeah. well aware that hey, you know, if I if I talk this way or if I put a complaint up this way, then it worked that I didn't have to do all that. So I, I I'm going to try it again and I'm going to try it again. So being really clear about those parameters and those rules will will go a long way because uh, yeah, our kids are not, our kids are smart. <laughs> yeah, and you know I think when especially when we try to introduce something like a cleaning routine or a new way of doing things into the household, it's very disruptive, right? And like there's mm -hmm. there is a transition week or two where it really yeah. takes like a uh, really strong intentional effort from us as parents in staying firm and calm and putting these new rules, boundaries and consequences in place in a way that doesn't involve a tone in a change in our tone of voice or how we express ourselves. Right. And we are humans too, as parents, we have good days at work and bad days. And sometimes we have good moods and bad moods, you know, and Sometimes we're not always on our game. So I think it's really important for us to be vulnerable during this time too. Mm -hmm. And come to our kids and say, you know what? Oh shoot, I didn't I didn't meet the standards that we just talked about setting up. I failed. Just mm -hmm. like I know you're gonna fail, and just like you do, it's hard for me too. And I think like opening that dialogue up with our kids about when we're trying to implement something new is really important because that's always mm. something that my wife and I do. We don't just like start a new routine and the kids are like, what, what is this? You know, like we talk about it and then we bring the kids into it and say, look, starting tomorrow, this is how it's going to work. And these are the rules and this, this, and that. And then, like I said, there's always a week or two transition period where new scenarios come up that we're like, well, we haven't really quite thought about how that was going to play. 
into this. So maybe we back off a little bit with the consequences and bring the kids in to see what they think are the proper diameters, since we're both trying to establish this together. And I think like giving them autonomy in the process too, and being able to see that we can compromise is a really good exemplification for them to show when we want them to compromise, that we're also willing to do that too. So I think yeah. bringing your kids into the process and being just very open about the dialogue mm -hmm. of what this is going to look like and how it may change and accepting responsibility for the times that you fail as a parent right. will really help your kid make the transition too. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the big one. You know, the, um, I couldn't agree more. And that's honestly, that's something that can be modeled throughout the process of an argument. So, you know, affirming and acknowledging our kids especially let's let's just to be honest you know what if they are arguing with us but they're being you know the the uh, it's being respected by them you know acknowledging their thoughts their feelings and points to show them you also respect them um basically modeling that positive disagreement with them is is a powerful thing for them because then of course what are they hopefully going to do in time the more you do that they're going to also start to listen to your points and understand where you're coming from. And, and then, you know, to take that a, another positive step further is focusing on the good behaviors. I know you had some examples fairly recently that you shared with me that happened recently where you give power to the good choices and you be specific with that praise, right? So instead of just saying, you know, that's great, you know, saying, you know, when you decided to open your ears up and listen to how that affected your sister, I saw you show that empathy and think about what it did to affect her that was a big deal i'm i'm really proud of you there so so being able to give praise you know not just afterward but in the moment and then modeling that good behavior and those good disagreements that goes a long way for for them to have a healthy <laughs> healthy debate healthy disagreements with us when things are a little bit you know difficult yeah, you know, and uh, dynamics can be different when it's between us as the parents and our kids, and then an argument that we see happen between siblings, right? Like, you know, you've got just just little Cohen over there, over with you, but uh, you know, I'm sure it can be quite a shock when you see come into our household and you see how these little kids operate with their dynamics. You know, I was uh, <laughs> pulling you aside a lot of the times to talk about the the rivalry that we were just noticing in, um, you know, our oldest and our middle and how our oldest really wants to cut out uh, middle child when it comes to this stuff. She just does not want to share attention with her. And, you know, as soon as you'll, you, you can reprimand our oldest about anything, the first thing that she does after that is go reprimand Aubrey. You know, what is this mess doing here? Aubrey, you left this everywhere. You know, like she wants to put the blame right, displace it right to somebody else. And it's been difficult for us. And like our journey over the last month has really been like, how do we help them figure this out? You know, without like you, you know, having to take sides because it always feels like you're always taking sides. You know, she did this mm. tattling is going on every fi in 15 minute intervals in our house. You know, every 15 yeah. minutes, someone's coming <laughs> in and she did this. She <laughs> took this. Yeah. It's like, Oh my God, I, well, I feel like a referee here just at all times, you know, and this book, yeah. which my wife just texted me, it's called siblings without rivalry by Adele <laughs> Farber and Elaine Maslish. So I'll put that in the show notes for you guys. Siblings without rivalry. I believe that should be in the fiction category. Yeah, it's. An, I was just going to say, it's it's bought in your fiction section in your local bookstore. <laughs> you know, but, I, 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 oh, go ahead, bud. But, you know, one of the things that I think may be helpful, still yet to be determined, I'm still in the testing phase in my own home here. But one of the things that they talk about in this book is, is instead of reprimanding for bad behavior, praising for good. Now, in my mind, that seems like it's going to feed sibling rivalry. You know, like, so instead of, you know, Naomi comes in and says, Aubrey took this from me instead of us going, you know, Aubrey, how dare you take that? We've told you not to snatch and the expectation is this. <laughs> You know, we go to Naomi and say, oh, my gosh, Naomi, that sounds so horrible. Come here. Do you want a hug? 
Mm. You know, because she took that from you. That sounds so hard. Siblings can be so tough. And you give the attention to the person, you know, that is, that is, that the bad behavior didn't come from rather than reprimanding the bad behavior. Mm -hmm. And so we've been trying that and it does seem to like, let it go. You know, like we'll definitely notice one sibling go, Oh, all right. Then I don't know. I'm not going to, you're not going to yell at her. You know, and you're just gonna you're just gonna give me a hug, and then that's the end of it, you know. And it'll kind of get squashed. But there's like a there's like a psyche in me that, that's going like, are we feeding this though? Like, isn't she gonna go like, well, mm. now I'm really gonna get her into trouble because <laughs> I'm trying to get her into trouble, and you know, I'm getting attention over here, and I don't know, I don't know. We'll see how it it's how really it kind of feeds out. Yeah. But um, I think that there is something to that because we just want to hand out consequences all the time rather than empathy. And I think we should get more comfortable with handing out validation and empathy rather than mm. trying to correct, you know, try to connect oh, rather than correct. I said that last, you know, episode and the time before that in this ADA training that I've been going through. And that's really been my mantra lately, man, is mm. how can we connect rather than correct? Yeah. What will I, you know, how is it said, you know, what you focus on, you get more of. So if you focus on the bad, then you're going to get more of that. If you focus on the uh, infractions, you're going to get more infractions. Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. And of course, when when a kid tells on their you know their sibling, uh, they're already talking about the the bad. So how do you reframe that? <laughs> I imagine if if they're saying you know this this you know uh, Naomi hurt me, you know, <laughs> it's hard to turn around and say. Um, Sounds like you really want to connect with your sister. Sounds like you want to you want to have a good relationship with your sister. I imagine the response would be, "What the hell? <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. not what I was focusing on at all." So, so when you when you hit them with that, how do you make that connection? How do you make that uh, how do you make that positive out of something like that? Because you know something something some or somebody somewhere got hurt in the process, and they want to feel some sort of justi justification or justice for themselves in uh, in coming to you with what occurred. You know, I'm curious to, I wanted to ask you, is that so, is that a type of behavior that you may notice in Cohen when he does play with other kids? Does he come and say, this kid took this or he did this, or is that something? Cause I noticed like, as our week progressed, Cohen started doing that more frequently especially towards the last couple of days, because that's what we were dealing with. You know, when you came to visit and I said, this is what we're dealing with, man, is <laughs> the sibling rivalry. We're just trying to like fix it, but I don't, yeah. they just hate each other right now. I don't know what's going on, you yeah. know? And by the end of that, I noticed Cohen was coming out of the room a lot more going, you know, they did this, Naomi mm -hmm. did this, he did right. this. And I'm, and I started, I didn't notice that towards the first leg of the trip. So it was kind of like, yeah. Is that something that he's picking up from the girls and he, he sees that they there's some sort of attention there or connection mm -hmm. between us as parents and that? and Or is this some kind of behavior that JJ normally deals with in type of play, you know? So yeah. I was kind of curious if you see that or if that's something that was kind of that's, garnished that's, in your week yeah. visit with us. That's absolutely the case. Uh, you know, I, I will say this much, like I think teachers at his school and, you know, many teachers in this world more than not, I imagine, have like a superpower to them where when a kid comes to them and, you know, has a complaint about uh, what took place or is tattling or something, they, you know, they're able to make a correct redirection to a, a different type of focus on what took place. So, you know, um, one thing that I saw in his in his class uh, when I was there to co-op teach was uh, he had asked this kid to stop trying to, it's just weird saying this. He, he kept asking this one classmate to stop trying to crawl under his legs while he was standing. up. So, so this kid's like, I guess, you know, thinking that everybody's a jungle gym. And then that, that resulted in Cohen falling over and he started crying. And, uh, and uh, you know, the, the teacher, you know, asked Cohen what, what happened? Cause you know, he was crying and, and uh, Cohen said, Theon, um, Sorry, I shouldn't say the kid's name, but uh, kid, uh, you know, tripped me and I got hurt. And uh, and then the teacher said, "Hey, do you see that Cohen's hurt right now?" And uh, you know, kiddo said, "Yeah." Um, you know, what might he be feeling? And then you know, is there anything you'd like to tell it, say to him? So they they did it in a very gentle way to get through it. It wasn't you know like shame on you, like how could you do this? Your name's going on the board. That was a classic back in my day. I don't know if they still write names on the board. Maybe in Catholic school. Anyways, another conversation. But 
I think the thing is, is like that was just handled very well. It wasn't like, a, you know, like, hey, you hurt him and that's a problem and you need to take care of that. Instead, it was like, do you see that it looks like he's hurt? You know, what might have happened? And, and is there anything you could do to help him in this moment? It was all positive. It was all an opportunity to make a connection and still call out in a, in a very kind way the infraction. So uh, that's what Cohen typically gets to experience. And then when he was with you guys, yeah, he saw something different. And he's like, I'm going to try this out too. This is, this is relatively foreign for me. And it does seem to bring attention to the person who brings up the, you know, the hurt that they experienced. And it puts the negative light on the other person. So in some ways, I'm getting something positive, whatever they're interpreting it as, probably just like, well, I'm not the one doing the harm. It's the other one. Um, that is something that they see as a, as a reinforcement that they'd like, I imagine, that they'd prefer over the, you know, the spotlight being put on them. So, yeah, he picked up on that. And, you know, I think it's, uh, it was an interesting lesson for him to learn that, uh, you know, going and tattling and pointing out like, oh, somebody's bad isn't the way to really get to somewhere positive with that person. So, you know, we got to, at times we got the opportunity to kind of talk about that a little bit. Like, what does that look like? You know, does, does, does pointing out that somebody is essentially doing bad helpful for you or for them? And that conversation <laughs> probably could have happened a lot during that week, but you know, still either way, it was, it was a good experience for him, honestly, to, uh, to learn that dynamic. And, and, you know, Everybody got to learn with especially a kid coming into the family who isn't a part of the regular everyday family to, you know, see how does this work? Now we're expanding out a little bit. Yeah. You know, Nate, I hate to to admit it, but I, I think that that comes from us as parents, you know, us going around just always pulling out what our kids are doing wrong, you know, and, uh, oh, you did this, you left this here, you didn't pick this up here. Like, imagine, like, what kind of kid we would have if we went around pointing out all the great things that you did. Oh, my exactly. God, you you picked that up? Oh, my God, you made that? Instead of her coming out and tattling every time sister did something wrong, maybe would we create a dynamic of, oh, my God, Aubrey just cleaned the room up, you know? And we celebrate each other's joys. So, unfortunately, I think that sibling rivalry and that, that tattling comes from how we handle the negative conflict in our household. And the we'll attention that it. we give to it, you know? Well, just think about it. Like when you're out and about and your kid is having a conflict with another kid, what do you see the parents sometimes do? Hey, you know, insert kid's name, you know, don't do that. And and then go to the parent who might be witnessing that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's, you know, whatever. Just making excuses or just yeah. leaving it at I'm sorry. So basically you're saying like, hey, kiddo, you're you're doing bad again. You're doing bad again. I need to apologize for you because you're a bad kid. Now, we don't say all those words, but the more we focus on all those things that, that we don't want them to do, the more they're going to believe that's what they do. You know, if, if you say, if, like, I, I forget the example that I, that I heard recently, but, you know, let's say a kid goes into the room and his, his mom and dad are uh, putting together a puzzle. And he says, can I, can I put help, you know, put together the puzzle? And they say, well, I mean, sure, but please don't mess this up. You know, we're, we're, we put in a lot of hours. And then, you know, the kiddo's like a little hesitant, but then picks up a piece and, and the parent says, oh, no, dude, see, that's messing it up. You know, the more this kid hears this message, like I can't actually put together a puzzle. I'm messy. I am reckless. The more the kid's going to believe that, you know, and the every single word that we put out there for them is something that they really think is gospel sometimes. And uh, it can really damage their self-esteem. So I agree with you 100 percent. Yeah, brother, you know, honestly, the most successful thing that's really been of help in our household is the reward jar, the reward system. You know, all of these techniques that we bring in and try always seem to like have this really great like life breathed in, breathed, breathed, <laughs> blown into it <laughs> for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, on probably our fault as parents and laziness or lack of routine, it gets unstructured and seems to always fall apart. But the one thing that I feel like has had the most power in helping us is the reward jar, you know, um, and how we, cause it's not for chores. It's more for like behavior, how you're treating your sibling or your other family members. Were you nice? Did you say 
thank you? Did you argue or, you know, did you do it the first time that you were asked? And those are the things that get you jars. You know, if we ask, focus on the positive. Yeah. You know, like if you, if you, if you asked somebody to clean it up and they don't say, well, Aubrey, it's not my mess. And they just do it. You know, we'll often go, okay, that was, thank you. Go put three jars in your jar, you know? And then they rack those up and they get to buy special things like dessert or, you know, little, little treats and toys or special attention time or extra screen time or whatever with that. And I feel like that's really been the most benefit, you know, it's a reason to like point out the good, you know, and celebrate it and where they get to celebrate themselves at the end of it. Look at all the, look at what all of this good behavior and niceness brings to me. Mm-hmm. You know, where I get to have more choices or more time to do either eat the sweets or watch the screen or whatever it is, or play outside with my friends more or read the book longer past bedtime, you know, whatever they choose that week. It's just something that I think that they can reward themselves with, not only feel rewarded from us, but then at the end of it, get to go, oh, yeah, well, look, I get to. Now that I have done all these nice things, I do have a little bit of extra time and freedom and choice to make something for myself. Yeah. So I, I really, if you know, there's one takeaway from that, I feel like that's been the most positive thing is like developing that system to really make us be intentional about celebrating those wins. Yeah. And notice what you you said there kind of in contrast to earlier is, you know, you said that uh, we shape our kids, you know. A lot of it comes from us. Sibling rivalry, it comes from us. Well, also, we're training ourselves to pay attention to the good when we have a reward system in place because, you know, if the kids call it out, well, we have a great opportunity to also highlight that and then, you know, rack up the points or whatever it is they get for rewards and then build that up toward a reward. I think a lot of a lot of parents are really hesitant with the idea of a reward system because they think, you know, they get this idea in their heads that, uh, you know, if my kiddo is just doing behaviors because he wants something, you know, is that really forming good behaviors? My thought is, okay, you know, when your kid is so young or has, you know, a, a slower development to uh, empathy, like due to ecocentrism and stuff, um, it can seem that way. It can, it, can, it can try to trick you in suggesting, like, they're just doing it because they want to get a toy or something. But over time, that turns into that connection piece, you know, as we develop, as our, as our brains move into the ability to show empathy more, um, that connection piece is really going to shine. You know, we do want to keep that, we do want to have positive relationships, especially with our parents. So when we make that connection piece with the reward system, we're asking of ourselves to be better, to highlight those things, to, to tell our kids, hey, this is great. Yeah, you deserve 50 points for this behavior. That's what we got here is the point system. And then once he gets a certain amount of points, he can trade those in for prizes and stuff or money, whatever it looks like. So yeah, I mean, do I want to just like say, all right, cool, here's here's 50 cents for the uh, the good thing you did? No, but that's not the point of it. The point is much further on than that. Yeah, like you said, you know, I think that I, I've heard a lot of parents push back on that, this idea too of like, well, you know, a, a, my kids saying thank you is an expectation, not a reward, you know, and, and I can see your mentality behind that, you know, and agree with it to a certain point. But again, if what you concentrate on grows and if you're only concentrating on the things your kids are doing wrong and the good is an expectation you know, then I think that that leaves a lot of room, especially for kids in a development stage where they are so ego egocentric or neurodevelopment kids where empathy could be a challenge locking in until later in life. Parenting has to be done differently. And I'm not saying that like what we're talking about in this episode works for everybody, you know, like it doesn't ever, I think every family, every child is different and needs a set of, a set of things that work for that family and unit. And what we're trying to do here isn't say like, wait, haha, we figured it out and have it all. It's just, Hey, look, here's one tool, you know, of many um, to try and see what works, you know, but in our household, I've definitely seen that, 
our family, myself included, and my wife, you know, can sometimes get too locked in on focusing on that negative in the mm. things that are going wrong. Again, with, especially with three kids, sometimes it's really hard to focus on all, all the right because there's always something going wrong, brother. There's a mess. <laughs> there's a, something to be cleaned up. There's an argument, a disagreement, something that needs intervention or, you know, parenting to some degree. There's always chaos you know like so <clears throat> having a system like this having talks about this between my wife and I bringing the kids into those talks that and that training of intentionality is really important to our family dynamic yeah. and, and where we need to grow and the things that we see help us and the things that we see inhibit us or prevent us you know so I'm just like advising people to to try out those different things. And maybe it is for you, maybe it's not, but um, it's definitely something that we need to be very vigilant and intentional about daily, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really on us to make and make or break the, the moment and the understanding of what it is that a child believes of themselves when they're, uh, when they're told, you know, any sort of feedback to uh, their behavior. Um, yeah. I, uh, I agree with that entirely. And um if you don't mind, I, I got a couple of uh, suggestion opportunities uh, for for us and the listeners. Um, oh, regarding... is this where we we rate each other's parenting? Where I tell <laughs> you what I think you can do better, and you no. tell me where I think I can do better. And we... <laughs> so I think the thing is, is like you know, I've been trying to rack my brain sometimes of what is the best thing for me with my kiddo because too often I again, you know, back to the whole talking about arguing with our kids. Um, you know, what, what is successful in the moment instead of, you know, the why, because this, why, because this, well, I want this. Well, you can't, you know, and we just find ourselves in that, you know, cyclical cycle of just nothingness. You know, we're not actually trying to get anywhere positive at that point. We're just literally arguing to nothing. So I don't know. I had a, I had a couple of ideas, um, maybe, or maybe not be successful for, especially for kiddos, you know, of ASD, ADHD, ODD, all the D's. Um, so if you, yeah, if you don't mind, um, one of the things that I, uh, I wrote down is like positive, difficult, positive. So what does that mean? You know, well, our kids, uh, when they're arguing, when they're frustrated, when they're upset at, you know, themselves or their siblings, or whatever, they're going to experiencing strong, they're going to experience strong emotions and opinions. And honestly, they should have the space to express how they're feeling because it's really how they're feeling. But that doesn't mean like they should just get that space whenever they want. And I think that's the problem is like we find our kid, we find ourselves with our kids with neurodiversity, especially they're like in it, they're locked in the idea of I need to get this out and I need to argue this point till, you know, you're blue in the face and we're both exhausted, you know, so how do we get that? How do we get to the point of changing that? It's not going to be something like you said, like it, maybe it's a two week process of getting into that mode, but the positive, difficult, positive, the idea for me on that is like, is to ask your child to state something positive and then maybe explain why they're upset and then finish again with something positive. So let's say you, you said, all right, screen time is done. You know, right now we got to do homework. Um, maybe they can say in response to that is like, ah, well, I really did like that I got to watch my favorite show. I'm not, I don't like math and I really wish I didn't have to do it. But at the end of that, when that's done, I can, you know, uh, go play with my toys because I don't have to do homework anymore. So getting, getting them in the mindset of saying, you know, there's something positive here. It sounds like you need to get out some things that you're upset about. And then what happens when we get through what we need for you to get through is there something good at the end of that? That's just one example, like positive, difficult, positive. <clears throat> well, I think that's really important because, uh, you know, we, we started this episode talking about how our kids can create these realities sometimes, you know, and, and uh, that happens a lot in our household where we give the, you know, positive, negative, positive, but we don't let them express that. So when it comes from us, all they hear is negative, negative, negative. You know, so we could say, you know, once you're done cleaning your room, you can go back to, you know, your what you were doing before or, you know, or whatever that positive thing is afterwards. But all they hear is you can't do it. And, you know, you have to clean your room now. Right. So we or, often get that villain 
portrayal, you know? Yeah. But I think what you're saying, having them identify it and saying it, you know, what's something positive? Okay, well, how are you feeling about the negative thing? But what's the reward after it? And having them articulate that is way more powerful than us just relaying it to them as parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Plus, when they're in there at that emotional state, if we say, but you'll get to do that later, that's basically saying, don't feel that way. <laughs> your your emotions are just yeah. totally ridiculous right now because you're going to get that later, but you, instead you're just being a little baby. You know, I mean, obviously, <laughs> we I hope we don't say it in that way, but still, you know, that can just basically negate how they're, you know, how they really are feeling. And, and so they're not feeling heard and stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a delicate space, you know, and um, I guess beyond the idea, like I mentioned, you know, they should, they should have the space to, you know, express how they're feeling is like, well, we should probably pause and designate time and space for that upset. So basically there should be a clear understanding about uh, where and how they can voice their upset which can be really hard again, because they're like, I'm in that space right now. Um, but if we have it, you know, again, this is especially good to be agreed upon prior to actually having an argument. But in in when we do have that uh, designated time and space, it, it limits the chances of a, like a circular argument. You know, does our child, does our kid really want to ask us questions to understand where we're coming from? Or are they asking questions because they are arguing for what they want? So if we give them the time and space to, to work through that upset, um, they will also, you know, we, uh, they will, they will learn and understand more of the process on their own sometimes, because I think we don't give them enough credit. We just believe too often as parents, they're upset because they usually get that upset out right in the moment when they haven't given themselves breath. So when we give them that space, then they can come back to maybe that positive, difficult positive. And um, in addition to that, you know, again, like the designated time and space for the upset is great, but we should also give them the space to do that as in front of us as well, you know, being able to argue their point, or at least say, this is what I was feeling and stuff. So when you, when you kind of, you know, package all that up together, uh, both time and space away, an opportunity to work through it in their head, and then come back to you, that builds that trust that gets that affirmation and acknowledgement kind of naturally in, you know, in the moment after things have kind of settled a little bit, because too, again, too often, we just find ourselves uh, in an argument with a kid who's already fully charged, and they're trying to bring us up to that fully charged moment too. Totally, man. What was uh what was the next one you're gonna you were gonna bring up? Well, actually, I have a question for you. <laughs> uh oh, all right. This is a tough one. So when do you shut an argument down? Hmm. I think that when it be for me, I think that it's when it becomes circular. You know, like you said, like when we are are making the same points or we've already talked this through and we're hitting the we're hitting lap three on an argument, that's where I'm, I'm oftentimes ready to just say, you know, listen, I've said my piece and, and, and how this is going to play out and you know, how, how we, how we should go about this. And once the thing is done, we can talk about all the feelings associated with it, but we can't waste more of the day talking about the feelings of it because, um, my neurodivergent daughter will can burn eight hours doing that and avoid the thing all day. So there has to be some boundaries in our household around like, not that feelings aren't important, but oftentimes feelings are wanting to be discussed when they're felt at their highest form. And I believe in a lot of separation to have calm, in an understanding and definition of those feelings internally before you can go express them. Because, uh, you know, and I'm guilty of this uh, as a man in my thirties <laughs> in a relationship with a spouse, <laughs> you know, I'm somebody that likes to talk my feelings through out loud. And my wife is somebody that likes to write them down and think about them before she talks about them out loud. And those two conflicting styles can, you know, uh, be conflicting <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> so we both have kind of learned to, you know, I've learned to hold back a little bit and analyze a little bit longer. And she's kind of learned to not withhold as much and to give me a little bit of where she's at along the process and the way so that we can both feel a little bit fed, you know, in, in those insecurities. And I think that 
that has to have the same kind of relationship with my daughter and her neurodivergence too. And, you know, sometimes whether boundaries will be set and stuff like that, I'm still very conscious about going in there to let her know that I'm willing to talk about the feelings, you know, mm -hmm. how you doing? You still upset with me? Okay. Well, we can talk about that once this is all clean. You know, I'm really looking forward to that, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I think mm -hmm. that, there does need to be some boundaries set on it to a certain degree because yeah, man, I burned an entire weekend trying to make one point or trying to get one thing done, you know, but also trying to accommodate those feelings and those conversations. And after yeah. those 48 hours are spent, I can feel like I just said, I just said the same thing over and over and over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I have another follow-up then to that because I think that's all, that's all awesome. But what does that look like? You know, uh, for, for I think it would be really helpful for our listeners is, you know, you say just it's going circular, just repeating the same things. How do you then deliver that message to the point where, you know, your your neurodiverse kid says, OK, let's table this because they, again, will be able to say, no, I need to continue arguing my point. I need to continue battling this moment because I am not heard here. I think for me, um, I have to be honest with my daughter about myself, you know, and how maybe I'm triggered to a certain type of reaction or response, you know, and I have to be willing to set up boundaries for myself as a parent to say like, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to make this worse. So I personally need space to ident identify my feelings before I handle this more. And sometimes that works. Some, you know, sometimes my daughter is, is, is that's, that's the thing that switches in her mind. Like, Oh, like, okay. Maybe this isn't all about my feelings. There are other people in this family. You know, but sometimes they double down on, on no, well, it, it's going to be about me right now, you know, um, <clears throat> but sometimes you just got to create that space. And, you know, it's either if you don't, then you can dig yourself into a deeper hole. So um, though it's maybe not always received, I think that having those conversations really sets up a dynamic for my daughter that is important that shows that there are more than one people involved in a disagreement mm. and there's more than yeah. one side to a story and there's more than one people's feelings involved into it. And just because you may be ready to talk about it or ready to dissect it, maybe somebody else isn't. And yeah. that's something that I had to learn later in my life too. You know, like I just said, with how my wife and I argue in our different styles. And I'll be honest with you, JJ, when I um, <clears throat> was growing up, it was a very like masculine empowered household where if my dad wanted to talk about the thing, we talked about the thing. And if he didn't, he didn't bring it up, you know, and that was the dynamic that I saw created through a lot of my life. And we didn't have a lot of talks in my household about there are other people's feelings involved. You know, it was just don't upset the big man, you know, and I definitely don't want to instill that in my daughter. So maybe there's a better way of creating the separation and getting the thing done. But through my experience and through my trauma and generational thing, that feels like the right thing for me, mm. you know, in those moments. Um, and trying to teach her about that early on and accommodating mm. everybody's feelings and perspectives under one roof rather than one person having the emotional power of it all. Yeah, I think I think what I heard there, which which uh, if I were to make the application, um, is that you know truth is is we've lost our cool. We've gone down the bad path of arguing and not getting anywhere and feeling, upset after that and so we didn't actually accomplish anything so being truthful with our kids and saying hey you know we've had this we've had a similar experience before we're both kind of just not seeing each other the way we want to be seen right now and 
your continued argument is I'm feeling frustrated and I don't like what I've done in the past in, you know, getting upset in response. And so I hear you, but I want you to hear me as well. And maybe we can talk about this at a time that you and I are more capable of hearing the other person. Um, Cause I know we've done poor arguments in the past and I don't want to continue that with you because I care about you and I care about me. So let's pause. Let's think about something positive. Let's, let's get through this. We'll, you know, and, and if we, if we can circle back around, we can show each other love and understanding in that. Cause right now we're not doing a very good job of that. And I didn't like myself the last time. So, and I could tell you right now, I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling angry. I don't want to do that. Honestly, brother, I think that's the thing is the dedication to the evolution of that process, you know, and that we, that it's not, it, once we find something that works, it ain't always going to work. And just no one way of doing things is going to work all the time for everyone at all points and stages and evolutions of our life. But I think the more that we can, again, bring our kids into the mistakes, into the processy, into the restructuring is what really creates the valuable connection for me is at least what I'm telling myself and hoping for, you know, in, in the relationship with, with our kiddos is that like, I'm a flawed man. I'm a flawed human being and I'm going to make mistakes, but damn it. I really want to try to be better, not perfect, but better every day. And <clears throat> the more that we can talk about that and the more that I can be honest about my boundaries, how she makes me feel, the more that maybe I feel that she can be vulnerable and honest about her boundaries and the way that I make her feel. Mm -hmm. And that we can have that mutual respect along the way as these conversations change, as the rules change, as freedom, more freedom is granted and maybe more is taken away and here and there in different areas of our lives as, you know, she becomes a teenager and goes off to college and moves out and has a boyfriend and drives a car and goes to a party for the first time. And you know, oh all God. the things that we're going to experience, <laughs> you know, all these conversations are going to have to change JJ, you know, and we can't create a dynamic that is unmalleable. We have to create a dynamic that can really be like water. And, you know, like Bruce Lee says, and really take on the shape of, whatever it looks like in the moment. And that takes a really big vulnerability from both parties. You know, if we want our kids to be vulnerable, we have to really kind of be vulnerable too about our feelings and, 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 and have an understanding of that and to be able to let them into that process. If we want them to let us into their process of understanding themselves and, and trying to figure these thoughts and perspectives out on the world. Mm. And that's that's one of the greatest models, right? Is uh, is when you when you have experience, good or bad, um, that you can then bring to the next experience uh, to show that you're trying to grow because you want to work toward a better you know relationship with them. Like that's that's a great that's a great model. I think I don't think we could possibly do any other type of model in a positive way because you know we're going to trip up. So having that evolutionary process of, you know, going through the next thing um, because we care, we understand ourselves in the past, we understand them in the past, so we can communicate to both of those individuals in the moment. That's, uh, that's the best model. Most definitely, my man. But I guess we will continue to argue with our kids. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that we've had our last argument yet, so... Hopefully, oh, I, uh, yeah, we'll have I many more on Wednesday. So I'm going to argue then. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, we will have many more podcast episodes on what's working for us at the moment, and uh, this will be a never-ending episode. So, <laughs> right, yeah, we uh, we got a lot a lot of good stuff in store here for sure. So I'm excited for the continued 2024. Yes. So, uh, yeah, go check out that book, guys, uh, Siblings Without Rivalry. 
Um, it's it's been good in our household. So if you got more than one kid, check it out. Even if you don't, I think maybe you should still check it out. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think that a sibling rivalry stops at our household, but probably goes into the <laughs> playground and classroom as well. I was so. say, rivalry happens as soon as you, as soon as you make contact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, thanks, buddy, for the good talk. And I sure did get a lot out, as I always do, from talking with you. And and uh, thanks for the visit, man. We had some 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 good times there. And I just I have to uh, tell this really quick story before we leave that was really just like stuck out for the most for me. So, you know, we had we had our kids there that were you know, using the word boyfriend and girlfriend with each other, you know, at seven, eight years old. And it was, we were looking at each other like, geez, this was the last thing that we thought we were going to deal with during this trip. No you preparation know? for that whatsoever. So, you know, we, we had, we had some funny conversations around that, but my favorite part is we were driving home, I think from Six Flags one night and Colin said, can I call my mom? And you said, yeah, sure, bud. So you, you put it on speaker, you know, and he's telling his mom about his trip. He goes, yeah. And I have a crush on two girls and they're both sitting right next to me and the look on Naomi's face I, she, I we just I feel like we watched this 10-year relationship play around about in the car of like this sibling rivalry jealousy she, she, younger sisters got a crush on older sister's boyfriend and he gives her more attention and there was just all of this like jealousy and complication of prepubescent relationships going on in this car ride that we were both like dang <laughs> Cohen's just a little player man he just he right with both sisters right there yeah i got a crush on two girls are both sitting right next to me he he played them against each other man <laughs> yeah well i don't know if i have any words right after that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i'm still yes. trying to figure it out <laughs> Casanova, little Cohen Casanovas. Oh man, <laughs> so, I wonder. I gotta, I, I gotta stuff. ask his mom. I gotta ask his mom what her thoughts were in hearing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was something else. Well, thanks, bud, and uh, glad you came out. Glad we did it, and I, I had a blast. So I hope you, yeah, uh, you didn't go home with a whole bunch of notes uh, about our, our parenting style <laughs> and, and and where we fail. So. But, no, uh, no, no. You know, we we traded we traded uh, frustrations, we traded uh, joys, we traded wins, and we we just were vulnerable with each other after the kids went to bed about you know what what does this whole damn thing mean? And I, I think the answer is is the meaning never stops trying to show itself and hide itself from us. So we just got to process and talk and you know do that do that best effort of evolution you know through the through the uh, character that we we you know bring to our kids every day. So that's that's it. <laughs> in yeah. other words, in other words, fill in the blank. There's a lot of blanks. In f- in other words, stay tuned next time, guys, because we're <laughs> still figuring this out. <laughs> but thanks for listening, guys. I'm your host, CJ. And I'm JJ. And this has been another episode of the ADH Dads. We'll see you next time. <laughs>